Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40 is going to be our text for today. You love your Bible? Got a lot of Bible to work through today, so I need you to kind of roll with me here, okay? Luke 19, 28 through 40 says this, when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethpage at Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples and said, go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey. Ever shot donkey? Come on, shot donkey? Turn to your neighbor and call him. Stop, don't do that. You'll find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. Now, I'm going to pause there. Uh, there. There's some conversation in the background behind this particular piece of scripture. Just kind of, if you want to know a little bit of backdrop, uh, this particular moment, uh, theologians and scholars, there's kind of two different ways of thinking about this issue. One is that they actually went pre in advance. Jesus and some of his disciples made sure that this moment was going to be possible, that he would have the donkey, that the owners would be okay with it. That's one line of thought. The other line of thought is that the disciples were just simply criminals. And they were stealing people's donkeys. I go with that one just because it's more entertaining for me, all right? Verse 33, as they were untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, why are you untying the donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. And as he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the ground. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began, watch this, they began to praise God joyfully. Praise God joyfully. Praise joyfully. I'm going to say it one more time. Praise. We shall praise. praise. And we shall joyfully. Joy. Notice those two things go together. It's important to understand that they didn't praise half-heartedly. They didn't praise quietly. You're like, well, no, no, they praise joyfully. But then watch what he, watch what he says right here. And uh, with a loud voice. They praise God joyfully with what? A loud voice. So just if anyone ever wonders why we have it loud in here. It's biblical. <laughs> it's biblical. Some of you are like, uh-uh, I don't think that's in the Greek. <laughs> loud voice. Praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And then watch what happens. After they praised God joyfully with a loud voice, some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to be quiet. And he answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Mic drop. How many of you thankful for Jesus who sometimes gets to just like press the, press the Pharisees a little bit? If they were to keep quiet, the stones would cry out. So today as we continue on our series, The Violence of Good, I want to speak to you from the subject, The Violence of Praise. The Violence of Praise. As we celebrate Palm Sunday and look at the power of praise in our lives, will you pray with me just one more time? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this moment that we have together, to come together, to shout, to worship, to praise, to lift our voices collectively. And I just pray in this moment, now as we read your word, that you would speak to us, that these would be your words, not my words that it would be your voice that we hear this morning. We worship you, we love you, we thank you, we praise you for this moment. I thank you for this beautiful church. Not the four walls, not the carpet of the lights, the people. This church that we are all comprised of, a community of believers. We love you. We thank you for this moment. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. 
I love how people react to different things. I had a moment back in November where I got to be a part of a, uh, it was a senior pastor's collective and we did some like high intensity training. There's about 30 of us there or so. And uh, it, was in, it was in Dallas. And so I headed over to Dallas and went and hung out for a little while. And uh, as I was doing so, one of, the, one of the journey, like one of the things that we were getting to do in that moment was they took us to a Dallas Cowboys game. Yeah, some of you. <laughs> now, mind you, I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the Lord's team is the Seattle Seahawks. We're just putting it out there, okay? So, anyways, I digress. But I got to go to this Dallas Cowboys game, and, and I haven't gone to actually too many, like, major, like, football games like that. I haven't been to too many. And uh, if you've ever been to the Dallas Cowboys stadium, how many of you know, like, that's next level stadium. That thing is insane. I couldn't believe it. And, and so they, they let us through. There's this group of pastors coming from different denominations and different backgrounds and everything like that. And watching different pastors' reactions as we walked through the parking lot. Just the parking lot, and myself included. And then in turn, looking at how people were behaving in the park, like tailgating was going on. So, I mean, there was just like people everywhere and loud music and different types of foods and a lot of drunk people. And it was awesome. <laughs> because I got to watch how different people react to this thing, this sport, football. Then I got inside the stadium. And that was a next level moment for me. And we stood there and I watched all these people with painted faces and all kinds of different, like garb on and just excitement and all their food and all the stuff, all to watch these guys step onto a field and to shout for however many hours we sat there and shouted at them. And then I started thinking to myself in that moment, how interesting it is that we will gladly give our praise in so many moments, yet when it comes to Jesus, our praise many times can go silent. And I think for many of us what happens is that we will freely offer praise in all kinds of places and spaces in our lives, but when it comes to this moment, we have a tendency to believe that praise is religion. And what I want us to understand today is that praise is not religion, praise is a reaction. Praise is a reaction. And it's such an important part of our lives and faith. See, praise defines the way that we engage God. Our everyday lives, our relationships, our trials, and the situations of life that at times prove to be difficult. How many of you have ever had a difficult situation before? Four situations. Let's just try that one more time. How many of you have ever been in a difficult situation before? Come on, there, that's better. I was like, as four of you, we should just stop church now. Lord, take us. <laughs> And I've come to find out that I have one of two ways in my problems. I can react to my problems with frustration. I can react to my problems with fear. I can react to my problems with insecurity. Or I can react to my problems with praise, understanding that Jesus stands in the midst of my problems. There's an interesting moment in, in Scripture in the book of Acts where Paul and Silas, they find themselves in prison. And I love this story. And it says about midnight after, and, and mind you, this was not a nice prison. Because I think many of us in the Bible, like, we automatically, we'll read the Bible and we'll think, okay, Paul and Silas were in prison. And then we automatically have a picture of our mind of what prison is like now. That wasn't like prison. Okay, that, that's not how it, they were shackled, they were tied, they were not being fed, it was not pleasantries, it was not nice, it was dirty, they'd more than likely been beaten on their way into prison, they had no rights, nothing like that. And in that moment, the Bible tells us that about midnight, 
about midnight. And you would think at about midnight, you would start some complaining. Come on, somebody. How many of you would say at about midnight, I'd throw some frustrations up? At about midnight, I might punch Silas because I'm frustrated that we're in this situation and he's bugging me right now. At about midnight, I would start blaming everybody around me for the situation that I'm in. No, no, no. About midnight, instead of getting onto Facebook and talking about their problems, Paul and Silas did something else. Come on, somebody. At about midnight, the Bible says that Paul and Silas, they started to worship. And as they started to praise and to worship, literally there was shaking that would take place. And it flung open. It knocked off the chains and flung wide open the doors that held them captive. Why? Because we need to start facing our problems with praise. And praise is a reaction to Jesus. It's not a religious implication in our lives. we got to stop treating it that way. We have these moments where we find ourselves captured, shackled, hurt, broken. And so many times we focus on the shackles, we focus on the hurt, we, we, show, we focus on the prison that we are in. And I just wonder if today we can lift our heads and we can praise a little bit. Our team this morning was praising the way that they were. Why? Because today is Palm Sunday. It was a moment that we watched Jesus, they call it the triumphal entry. Triumph, we're going to talk about this in a moment. He came in and he said, listen, I'm on scene now. And the people worshiped him and they praised him. And they threw their coats on the ground and they, they threw palm branches on there and they, they praised him joyfully with a loud, come on everybody, loud voice. Anybody thankful for a triumphant king? Come on, a savior who triumphs over all the things. This is what Paul would say. He would say, listen, you are more than conquerors. I love that he doesn't call us semi-conquerors. <laughs> that he doesn't, come, he doesn't call us like one-fourth conquerors. He says, you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who saved us. And so we got to understand that our praise is a reaction to this, this Jesus. And here's what I've come to understand, that the praise of Palm Sunday gives us the strength to observe Good Friday. My kiddos and I were talking about it in the drive home last night, and, and they're like, Good Friday, Dad. We're like, like, what's so good about Good Friday? Jesus died. We're like, buddy, it's good. He's like, so he said, he goes, that sucks. <laughs> I don't know if we use that language in reference to Good Friday, but we tried to talk him through how Palm Sunday and the praise of Palm Sunday gives us the power to observe Good Friday that isn't so good sometimes. Because how many of you know we'll have our own personal Good Fridays? Where things look dead. They look defeated. They look like nothing good is going to come of this situation. And we got to remember the praise of Palm Sunday in order to observe Good Friday so that we can get to Resurrection Sunday. So how do we do that? Well, I want to take a look at what praise is and what it does in our lives. I want to look at four truths concerning our praise that we need to understand. Is that all right? Can we do that this morning? Need your help? Every shot number one. First one is this, is our greatest praise is from a position of humility. Our greatest praise is from a position of humility. Luke 19, 32 through 35. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them as they were untying the young donkey. Every shot Donkey. Its owner said to them, why are you untying this donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. Now, this is an interesting moment for us because 
in this section of scripture, we're starting to realize that Jesus is strolling into town, ushering in his authority, his kingship, his presence. And you would think, much like these people did, that if a king were to come walking into town, he would ride in with chariots, those Clydesdale horses that seem powerful, camels, come on, you know what I'm talking about, with the fanfare, all the stuff going on around it. But that's not how Jesus came in. Jesus came in riding on a donkey. Hee-haw. Come on, a donkey. He came riding in on a donkey. Why? Well, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 tells us why. It just says, adopt the same attitude. Attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's such an amazing piece of scripture right there. Jesus models for us humility and our greatest praise of him flows from that positional reality in our lives. This is what I call it. I call it donkey praise. Donkey praise. Why do I call it donkey praise? Because the greatest praise that we will ever offer Jesus is praise that comes from our most humble and broken of moments. Come on, somebody. Donkey praise. My life doesn't look good right now, but I'm going to praise you anyway. My situation doesn't look good right now, but I'm going to praise you anyway. My life hasn't been going the way that I've wanted it to go, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I don't have all my stuff together, but I'm going to praise you anyway. It's donkey praise. It's the type of praise that comes when we realize that we're broken, when we realize that we're hurting, when we realize that we're in need of Jesus. Donkey praise. If you're a social media person, hashtag donkey praise. Some of us don't offer donkey praise. We offer chariot praise. I've got it together. Oh, Jesus, I am awesome. I am so good and everything is so grand in my life. I've never done anything wrong. Everything in my mind is perfect. Everything in my heart is so good. Like I'm whole, Jesus. <laughs> Can I join the worship team? <laughs> no. Chariot praise. Chariot praise. But Jesus isn't looking for chariot praise. He's looking for donkey praise. And he modeled to us what it means to understand that we can stand in a moment like this and we can lift our hands, not because we're worthy, but because he's worthy. And many of us don't. Many of us can't lift our hands because we think, I'm not worthy to be able to worship him. I've got so much stuff. That, that addiction is, is troubling me. These thoughts in my mind are troubling me. My marriage is on the rocks. Stuff is happening in my relationship. I've messed up here. I've done this. I've gone there. It's been like this. And I want you to understand something this morning, church, that all of us, we are in that place. We are a people in process. And people in process give donkey praise. It was good. They took their they, they think about this. They took their coats off and they placed their coats because they didn't have royal linens. 
and they laid it on, they laid it on the donkey. Here, my coat. And most of these guys had been traveling, so it was dirty and it wasn't washed and it was normal wear and tear on their clothes that weren't the best, but it didn't matter because the Savior of the world, King Jesus, came riding in on a humble donkey saying, listen, it doesn't matter. And here's what, here's what I love about Jesus is that the grandeur of heaven was captured in humanity. That the grandeur of heaven was contained in the body of humanity. Jesus strolled out on a donkey and he came in in a manger. And I'm battling this point, I'm wrestling with this point, I'm pushing this point today because we've gotta make sure that we never become a church, never become a place that applauds perfection. We don't have it all together and that's okay. Now, in the series that we're getting ready to go into after Easter called In Process, we're gonna talk about what God does in process, that we're always in process. But I'll tell you something really important, that even when we're in the greatest of processes with Jesus, our praise is always donkey praise. Hee-haw. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, hee-haw. Turn to your other neighbor and say, don't talk to me that way. <laughs> watch this, watch this. This was a moment that was prophesied about. Zechariah 9.9, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. And you can, you can feel the tension like, okay, yeah, my king, semicolon, my king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. You're like, yeah, he's righteous and victorious. And he's humble riding on a donkey? What? On a colt, the fowl of a donkey. We praise a humble Savior through our humble praise, and it's this praise that is actually our greatest and most powerful praise. I don't know, but I want to be a, char- a church full of people who can donkey praise. We lift our hands and our voices. This is why we had this moment this morning. Lift our hands and our voices. I love Dejan. He's over here in the corner. He's just, ah! just singing. And some of us can go, that, that, that's showy, that's a show. No, you don't, you don't sing like that from a place of performance. You sing like that when you understand how broken you are and how good Jesus is. That's why we shout. That's why we worship. That's why we sing. Not because I got it together, but because I'm broken inside it, so I got to sing. I have to sing. Why is it that sports teams get their crowd chanting the loudest during defense? Think about that. Why? Because they want them to, something's coming against them, and they're standing here pushing against it. And so they say, come on, start shouting louder, defense, defense, defense. Why? Because you got something against you, but many of I'm going to get loud. something coming at us. Donkey praise. I'm gonna get loud in my praise when I got problems coming against me. Why? Because in my most broken of moments, my praise is the greatest. Number two, shot number two. Second thing is this, is that our praise honors his authority in our lives. Luke 19, 36, as he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the ground. Now this was something that they did in order, you see this in the Old Testament, they would, they would do this as, a, as an act towards an authoritative figure, especially when it came to kings. And they would spread their clothes on the ground like this so that they had a path to step on. And they would walk this way or they would be on the animal that they were on. They would walk on top of this. And this is what they were doing to assess Jesus' authority. Authority, if we're honest, is something that many of us struggle with. 
especially here in the Western world and even more so in the United States. We thrive on our individualism, don't we? I'm an individual. I'm special. On our independence. See, the problem is that faith is not founded on our independence. Faith is founded on our dependence. (laughs) We can't have faith in Jesus if we believe that we're independent and not in need of him. It's dependence. I need him in my life. And and more importantly, I need his authority in my life. Praise is all about the submission to the greatest authority of our lives, Jesus. When I praise, I'm submitting to his authority. When I praise during my problems, I'm submitting to the authority that he has over my problems. When I praise in my bad circumstances, I'm submitting to the authority that he has over my circumstances. Because here's the deal. Many of us talk about the promises of God. We love the promises of God, right? But promises cannot come from somebody who does not have authority. Did you get that? His promises are only as good as his authority. You ever met somebody who's given you a promise before, but you automatically go in your head, you have no authority to give me that promise. You're not true to your word. Come on, have you you ever, ever been there where somebody's given you a promise? And maybe some of us right now, this rings really hard because you have family members who's promised certain things over you. You had somebody in your life in relationship who promised you something and you've watched broken promises. Maybe your life has been the sum total of broken promises. But I want to give you some good news this morning is that we praise a Jesus who is authoritative and his authority is everlasting. His authority is heavenly. And because it's heavenly and everlasting, his authority is true and he can promise according to his power and his authority. Did you know he promised to keep the stars in the sky? It's earth on access. Thank God for that promise. That everything is sustained, the Bible tells us, by his word. Why? Because it has authority. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. I don't even know if you're driving on the, on the road, freeway, you're going fast, and somebody runs out in the road and gets out in the middle of the road and starts yelling, stop. All of a sudden, There'll be a moment in your mind where you go, should I hit them? <laughs> right? You, man, this, person's, this person's crazy. Like if somebody just jumps down the road and there's, stop! You'd be like, um, I don't know. <laughs> and this is why you will stop, because you don't want to go to jail. How many of you know that if a police officer or someone with authority steps out in the road and says, stop. You stop. Why? Because they carry authority. Now, for many of us inside right now, you can feel the tension because we struggle with this authority. Are there abuses of authority? 100%. Are these the, are, do those things happen in our world? 100%. But we're talking about the authority of Jesus who exemplifies his authority through his nature and his character, which is good. And so he says, in your praise, you're submitting to the authority that keeps my promises secure. And the Bible tells us that everything in Christ is yes, and come on, someone shout amen. Amen. So our praise honors his authority. 
Third thing is this, every shout number three. Come on, everybody praise. Everybody, shout number three. There we go. Our praise acknowledges his provision in our lives. His provision in our lives. Luke 19, 37 through 38, he came near in the path down the Mount of Olives and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Psalm 66, 1 through 4, let the whole earth shout joyfully to God. Sing about the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awe-inspiring are your works. Your enemies will cringe before you because of your great strength. The whole earth will worship you and sing your praise. They will sing praise to your name. Why? Because it's acknowledging his provision in our lives. Now, there's another angle to the story of Jesus on Palm Sunday. It's captured in every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John gives us an angle that is really interesting, and as you read John, it's found in chapter 12, verses 9 through 19. As you read John's account of Palm Sunday, what's amazing about this is that John tells us who was in the crowd. And he says that some of the people that were in the crowd were the very people that watched Jesus a little bit back now, watch Jesus bring Lazarus out of the grave from death. So when the Bible in Luke tells us that they shouted with joy and they, they praised Jesus joyfully and with a great shout was because they had witnessed something that nobody had ever seen before. And you know that when power like that strolls into town, there is a, only one way to praise a king like that. There is only one way to praise a savior like that, and that is with a shout. It was with a shout. And the praise of the people came from the provision of Jesus' hands. And we have to be a people who learn to remember what Jesus has done in our lives from the simplest thing to the most profound of things. But here's the problem. Many of us simply want Jesus to be our genie instead of our savior. The provision that he places in our lives and gives us in our life is not because he's some magical being. Uh-uh. The provision that we have in our lives is because he is God of heaven and earth. Because he's all powerful. And so his provision comes up. Come on, is there anybody in this church this morning that can step back and realize that God's done some things in their life? And that Jesus is rescued and he's saved and he's done some amazing things. And sometimes we need to step back and look. And many of us look for profound things. Right? We look for these, these big old massive moments. I thank Jesus that I graduated Bible college. Because there were some moments there. I thank Jesus that she said yes to me. Because there were some moments there. Right? I thank Jesus that we've made it six years as a church. Thank Jesus for it. I thank Jesus for what he's doing here in Salt Lake. I thank Jesus for all the, the Jesus-preaching churches in this valley, those who are lifting up his name. So I thank Jesus that he's doing amazing things. Guess what else I thank him for? I thank him for the breath in my lungs. <laughs> I thank him for my kiddos and that they're healthy and alive. They're going to kill us, but they're healthy and alive. I want to I encourage you. Get a journal, something you can write his provision down in. 
Write it big. I'm constantly writing stuff in my, in my journal and just thanking God. The other day I had to write a bunch of stuff down just to get it out of my head and get it out of my heart. And I'm like, man, God, have you ever been so just like, But then I thank you that you are good. <laughs> thank you that you're good. And sometimes I do it. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're good. You're so good. You're so good. You, you are good. You're good. You are good. I thank, you. I thank you that you are good. I'm not good. You're good. Oh, my gosh. Donkey praise. You're good. <laughs> You're awesome. It's provision. Somebody's like, well, he hasn't given me all that money yet. Who cares? He's provided for you. Oh, he hasn't given me that guy yet or that girl yet. Who cares? He's providing. He's got a bunch of friends around you. Go on. He's providing. He hasn't provided me with that job yet. I've just got this job that I don't like, but he hasn't given me that job. Well, be a steward of the one that he's already given you. And then see what he does next. We praise because of his provision. And the last one is this. Every shot number four. Our praise aligns us with his purpose. Our praise aligns us with his purpose. Now, this is what's going to happen in just a minute. The team's going to come up. We're going to sing that last song that we were singing. Your spirit lives within me. And we're going to praise at the end. Of the, why? Because it's Palm Sunday. And we're just going to take a moment to praise. But watch this. Our praise aligns us with his purpose. Luke 19, 39 through 40. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you that if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Why? Because if one system of praise is shut down, God will always make sure that there's another system of praise to rise up. Have you ever had a pipe? (laughs) You ever tried to be your own plumber? I thank God for plumbers. That's my provision. I'm like scared of that stuff. I remember when we were moving um, to the new house that we're in. It was just a couple years ago. I had this small little house right over on, on uh, just off of 7th and about 82nd South or so. And small little 1,200 square foot brick. We loved it. And I remember that we were trying to move the washer in the dryer. And in trying to move the washer in the dryer, we started to unplug things. And, and we forgot to do things appropriately. And so as we're trying to get this thing going, we moved this thing, and all of a sudden, all this water just started pumping out. Now, now thank the Lord that he blessed me with linoleum flooring. I was proud of that flooring. It had little flowers on it, stained. And... But I remember all this water coming out. And, and, and what do three dudes who are watching all this water come out and do? Like, instead of using our brains, collectively at the same time, we all came up with the same genius plan. Just throw your bodies on it. So we're, we've got, we got these rags and we throw our body on this like pipe and we're all just standing there like hovering over it and we can feel the pressure of the pipe, like the water coming out and we're looking at each other like, what do we do next? 
No one say, but we're just trying to keep this pressure back. We're trying to keep this, this, this power back. And how many of you know you can only do that for so long? And that's what Jesus is saying is that I may be able to rebuke them once. I may be able to rebuke them twice. But here's the problem is that my praise is purposeful. That praise is why we are actually designed. And so if you don't praise, the rocks are going to praise. If you don't praise, the earth is going to praise. If you don't praise, something's going to praise. Something's going to praise. So here's the deal. This is what's happening right now. So many of us are looking for our purpose. You ever said that? I'm just looking for my purpose. Talk to people all the time. These guys are ready to praise. That's <laughs> front row's ready. Come on, everybody stand to your feet right now. We're going to get ready to praise in a moment. But I want you to hear this. So many of us are looking for our purpose. Have you ever said that before? I'm just trying to find my purpose. Because here's what we believe. We believe that purpose is functional. What I do. We think that my job is my purpose. We think that my relationship is, is my purpose. We think that my art is my purpose, that my music is my purpose, that my ministry is my purpose. Nah, no, that is not your purpose. Your purpose, my purpose, our purpose is to praise him. That's our purpose. That's why Jesus said that if you don't praise, if they don't praise, if we don't praise, the rocks will cry out. Why? Because that's our, that's our design. He never said if Joe isn't working at the U, that the rocks are going to cry out. He never said if you're, if you're not in that ministry position that you want to be in, the rocks will cry out. He never said that if you don't have that relationship that you want, that the rocks would cry out. Oh, he said this, that when you are silenced in your praise, that's when the rocks cry out. Because who we are and who we've been designed to be is praising people. Is praising people. We praise. We praise when I don't want to praise. Come on, show of hands. Therapeutic moment. Has there ever been a moment where you're just like, I don't want to praise? Come on. There's the church. Come on. I don't want to praise. I don't know where you're at this morning. Did you know praise is no respecter of persons? It's not based on your personality. That's just not my personality. It's not a rock's personality. Think about that. It's not a rock's personality. It's, it's purpose. Your purpose is in praise. Our purpose is in worship. My purpose is in, is in praise. You will never find yourself in the middle of the purpose of your life more than we are praising him. And so we're going to do that right now. Come on with our hands lifted high.